Hallelujah. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we shall rejoice and be glad in it. Hallelujah. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Smile at your neighbor real quick. Say, I'm so glad to see you. Yeah. Yeah. So glad to see you. Amen. Thank you. We appreciate the Lord being here. We feel his presence already. And thank you for um, your pastor, Elliot. Thank you, man. And uh, Daryl. Um, it's not easy yielding over your pulpit, you know. And so uh, on, on a Sunday morning, because, you know, a true pastor takes this moment serious because this is a, a, a way to shepherd their people. So thank you, man. We, we really appreciate it. Let me turn your attention to John chapter 4, verses 39 through 42. Let me read in your hearing today. John chapter 4, verses 39 through 42. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this indeed, the Savior of the world. It appears that every time I look on the news, I hear story after story. Some of those stories are worth celebrating, and the majority of the stories that we hear are tough, and they allow us to see the chaos in this world. When I look at violent rates amongst youth, and I see how they are continuing to grow, when we hear stories of the pandemic uh, that we have been literally fighting with for, what, two and a half years, it seems like. And we continue to hear, but although we hear now that a lot of those uh, coronavirus numbers have gone down, thank the Lord, but we also see the effects of what happened in the global pandemic. Some of those effects are families that are in odds with one another because of their views on who's vaccinated and who's not vaccinated. You have families divided over those types of conversations. You know, back during those times, uh, the government, political parties were giving us so much information that it was almost creating hysteria and fear 
and a lot of people. Storylines that continue to show interactions between black and brown people and the mistrust with policing in our country. And now here we are a couple of weeks, we've been hearing about the war between Russia and Ukraine. And you have to admit that some of us sit on the ends of our seats to try to figure out how is this going to impact America. And man, if I can be honest with you today, and I will be, I see a lot of chaos in this world. A lot of things that divide people because of the stories that are shared over and over again. So then I would have to ask myself, man, like putting, putting all of my uh, attention and prayer to Lord, where are you in all of this? Folks are hurting. Folks are in pain. Folks are divided. Folks are confused. Lord, where are you in this? How is your glory being revealed in all of this? But the Lord always uses his word for us to stand on and give us what we need. So I'm comforted in knowing In John chapter 17, it says, they are not of the world, just as I am not of this world. Which says to me that the way that this world is set up, that is not how the world is set up when you are a child of God. That this world presents its own kingdom. But then, that's this world. But there is actually a kingdom with a ruler, with its own principles and its own benefits and its own styles of living that is not like this world. So then, when I think about that, I, I look in the Word, and it shares with us that when you are a child of God, that you are a part of a different rulership, a different kingdom, if you will. So then my question becomes, and I talk to the Lord just like I'm talking to you, Lord, do we understand the concept of kingdom? And Lord, can, can you share with us, can you help us understand your true vision for it? And if we really do believe 
that he's the ruler of this kingdom, then in fact, our views are very limited perspectives. What we see in our church every day is not what I'm referencing today. What we see here on this beautiful street of 12 South is not necessarily what I'm referencing today. There is a limited perspective on what we see when we talk about the kingdom of God. Let me share with you what the word says. In the book of John, chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, it says, but to all, let the church say all, who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Then that means we are challenged today to open our eyes. We are challenged today to see past who's in this room today. I'm a Nashvillian, and I love Nashville, Tennessee. I got one. <laughs> when I think about Nashville, Tennessee, I think about my family that is on the north side. I think about my family that's on the south side. I think about my family that's on the west side. I think about my family that's on the east side. And they are my family, and I love them dearly. But that's not who I'm talking about. Because a lot of them that are my family refuse, if I can say that, refuse to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So then that means that they are just my family but they are not a part of this family. There are family members that I see today that I have never met in my entire life. Some of you, I have no idea what your name is, but the Bible says in John chapter one, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So that means I'm looking at brothers and sisters in this room. Because the only way that I'm looking at brothers and sisters is because you've made a decision to receive God. And in that decision that you made, he has given you a right to become his child. Andy, what's up, man? Have you received him? Do you believe in his name? 
then he's given you a right to become his child. So if we are a part of this kingdom with our ruler who is our father and he has received him and he believes in him, he's a child of God and I'm a child of God. And what's your name? And are you a child of God? Then that makes us brothers. And I have never met John before. I don't know John. I just met him today. I don't know where he's from. I don't know his experiences. But I'm going to call him a brother. Because he's a child of God. In this story of the Samaritan woman, in John, we will see something, a couple things that I want to bring to your attention. The Bible tells us that Jesus is on his way to Galilee and stops in Samaria. He stops in Samaria because to the present eye that he was tired. He needed a break, so he went and stopped at this well. And at this well, there was this woman who came to draw water, something that she probably did on a regular basis. So she sees Jesus sitting there. While she's there, Jesus opens his mouth and says, woman, could you draw me some water? Now, I want to present this in a way that you kind of look at this as a movie. Or the story it is. So Jesus is sitting. She comes. He asks her to draw water. I want you to imagine her response to Jesus, which it said in the word. She was literally taken back. Like, I can't believe you're talking to me. And then you will wonder, well, why? Why, why would she have that type of countenance? Because we have to understand that she was Samaritan. And we got to look at the differences that were in this story. Here you have Jesus, who's a Jew, and she was Samaritan. Jews and Samaritans didn't get along. They didn't like each other at all. Not only did they not like each other, but people that were Jews tried not to go to Samaria at all. Their religious uh, beliefs were different because they had issues with where they worshipped at and all types of things. Politically, you can even challenge that a little bit and say that that, were, that was different. Jews and Samaritans didn't like each other. But here it is that this woman, he was a male, she was a woman. They just had all of these things that really divided them. But Jesus, as he always does, he takes every opportunity to present himself. 
Oh, Lord, I thank you. So he literally said to this woman, as she asked the question, why is it that you speak to me? Do you know who I am? His response was, if you knew who I was, you wouldn't even, you would be so quick to draw the water. But you have to recognize the value and the worth that she felt. So Jesus did a thing. He showed his love and his compassion and his kindness to this Samaritan woman. Just like he showed his love and his compassion to me. Except my story was not at a well. But just like this woman, he came and said something very special. So the first thing is, to this woman, he gave himself. The second thing he did for this woman on this particular day is he made her a daughter. He took a Samaritan woman and said, today, you are my daughter. She was adopted in into the family of God. I should hear a hallelujah right there. He adopted her and made her a daughter. I want you to look at your life and realize or think about where did God come and meet you at? Where did Jesus come and meet you just like he met this woman? And the beautiful thing about when you have a real encounter with Jesus, you cannot keep it to yourself. So you have to run and tell everybody. And she did just that. She went to our village and she said, you got to come and you got to check this Jesus out for yourself. And the Bible says that he stayed there two days. And they no longer took her testimony for themselves. But they knew by the end of the two days that he indeed was the savior of the world. Hallelujah. So when we have an encounter with Jesus, he changed our lives. And when we are adopted into his family, we have the greatest title that any man can have, a child of the king. It doesn't matter what your last name is, what your social economic status is, the greatest title a person can have it's being a child of the king, the true king, 
And that's what he gave that woman in Samaria. So when we are family, Britta, when we are family, let me pick on you for a minute. When we are family, there are certain attributes that we have. There are certain things that we do. When I say Britta's my, my family, she's my sister, that means I love her. That means we talk to each other. That means we hold each other accountable. But it also means when Britta hurts, I hurt. I didn't make it up. The Bible says it. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 26. If one member suffers, then we all suffer together. If one member is honored, then all of us rejoice together. So we love, we protect, we talk to, we converse. But when we hurt, we all hurt together. That's the beauty about being a part of a family. Jonathan is coming to tell us about the vision that God has for Napier. DeCarlos didn't really need this, as you can tell. I think, I think you heard him, but I do. Um, did you hear him, though? If you did, then you heard this. And this is what I want you to hear before you hear anything that I'm about to say about our particular vision for the Napier neighborhood. What you heard DeCarlos say is that God is on a kingdom building. Can you say kingdom building? Kingdom. Family forming. Say family forming. Mission. God is on a kingdom building, family forming mission. And so what we, as the Napier Congregation of Midtown Fellowship, our team, my wife, my family, what we see is the Lord at work in one particular neighborhood of his kingdom to call out his family from that neighborhood. That is all we live in. We all live in our own neighborhoods of the kingdom of God and we are moving, we are on the move. The Lord is on the move into this community of Napier to call out his family. So there are three things that I wanna share with you about our vision for the Napier community. These are three things we see the Lord doing. Because by the way, when you're a Christian and you have vision, what it means is it's something you are waiting to see the Lord do. So we labor and we work hopefully and expectantly to see God do these three things. Number one, we see a thriving church family in the Napier community. When Jesus went into Samaria, he found a woman and he made her a daughter. That's what DeCarlos just said. You see that? That is the church. When the Lord finds men and finds women like you and me, finds children and makes them sons and daughters, he is making his church. It's why at Midtown we say, if you're going to church, it's almost over. But if you are the church, it's just beginning. And so we are at work in the Napier community to find the men and the women that the Lord wants to make into sons and daughters. But there's something that's, that's very important. And let me just say a few words about the particular context of, of my community in Napier. 
And it's true uh, in the story that you saw in John 4, because when Jesus saw the woman, he really saw this woman, which means he saw her hurt. He saw her pain. He saw her past. He saw it before he even spoke to it, but he saw it and he knew it. We are not Jesus, but it is still our job to see and know our family, to see the people that are in front of us, to actually know one another. Isn't that what you expect from your family, that they actually see you? in your hurt, in your pain, in the story that you have. You have to see people in order to love them. And so when we see the folks in our neighborhood, we see people that are church hurt severely. We see spiritual and religious trauma that people in my community have undergone. We see a lot of spiritual hopelessness. That's what can happen when you live up against the barriers that people in my neighborhood live up against constantly is there's this, this deep sense of hopelessness, probably very similar to the woman at the well. And so we see those things. In Napier, within about a mile or, or half a mile of my home, there are six churches. And I'm friends with a lot of those pastors and there's a lot of wonderful gospel work being done. But it begs the question, why would we be about the business of planting another church? Isn't there plenty of you know, mercy ministry to do? Isn't there plenty of nonprofit work to do? Well, well, yes, absolutely. But here's the thing. About 80 to 90% of the churches are full of people that do not live in the community. And about 80 to 90% of the people in the community don't go to church. What does that tell you? For some reason, in some way, the devil has won a great victory in my neighborhood, and there are not people that are connected to a family of God. There's a lot of trauma. There's a lot of church hurt. There's a lot of sense of the church is for those other people, and I'm different. And so we see that, and we know that, and we want to build the particular kind of church for those people. And so it's why in the community... Our ministry is known as the Napier Kitchen Table. The Napier Kitchen Table Fellowship. So I want you to take a second and imagine what is it that happens around your kitchen table for your family? What do you do around the kitchen table? Well, you do the real business of the family, don't you? It's where all the issues come. It's where all the conflict, good and bad, happens. It's where you work stuff out. And yes, of course, it's where you share meals together. You care for one another. You ask each other, how are you? How is your day? At the end of the day, it's where the true community of the family is built around the table. So I want you to imagine, you know, like a table, like a circle here. And the chairs are around the table and everyone is pointing inward. They're seeing each other. And they're oriented or they're pointing toward the one thing that nourishes all of us. And that's Jesus Christ. So the picture of the church as a kitchen table is a place for everyone to come. As long as you know you need to feed on Jesus. And he's available there. Second helpings, third helpings, fourth helpings of Jesus. He will always be present, present and available for you around the table. And that's the kind of place we want to build. A place that heals the hurt of churches in the community where authentic relationships are the means by which God transforms lives. Because we really believe it, that love transforms around the table. So a thriving church family is something that we see the Lord doing, but that thriving church family isn't just pointing inward. That table that you imagine, its chairs can also turn, right? And people go out from the table just like you go out from your community or you go out from your kitchen table into the community. And so number two, the vision that we have for Napier is that the thriving church family would be about the business of transforming its community. 
we see a flourishing neighborhood community. There are 3,000 people that live in the Napier community. There's just under or maybe just over 1,000 children under the age of 18. We see those things. And we take on the core concerns of our community and make them our own. Concerns of peace, where there's lots of chaos. Concerns of justice, where there's a lot of injustice and mistreatment of the poor. We see these things. We see these concerns that our neighbors have and we make them our own. We want to give people sanctified imaginations for what could be true for them and what is true for them in Jesus. We want people's eyes to be opened so that they can begin to hope for things that they've never tasted before and can pursue them and believe that they can be theirs. In short, we want to find strangers and make them neighbors. And we want to find neighbors and make them family. And in so doing, we will transform the Napier community. But it doesn't just stop in Napier. Because our third vision, the third thing we see the Lord doing through our work is that the Napier community and the Napier congregation of Midtown is a transformative force for the city of Nashville. And that is not an overstatement. And let me tell you why. Y'all, the, the outside world is watching the church. And if you've seen anything over the last couple of years as it pertains to the church, you see a lot of people who are looking closely at the church and saying, is this real? Are the things that you say you believe real? And they're watching. And as much as it's important to come to church and do the religious practice that we're doing of participating in the life of the church and attending a Sunday morning, what I'm doing is preaching is beautiful and important, but it is not all that the church is. The church and the world wants to see the church being the family of God out in its community. And so we believe that we have an opportunity in the Napier neighborhood where there is tremendous brokenness within the community to see the power of what the family of God can do in its neighborhood. And so we actually believe that as we are successful, the Lord will be transforming the city of Nashville. And the way we do that is we move toward the margins and we move toward the marginalized. We take steps toward the people that I was just describing to you that have said, I do not want to be a part of the church. We look for the people that are not in any churches and are not participating in anything in the church family and we bring them in, right? The table grows bigger. We, we shift our seats aside and we say, come, sit with us. And when we do that, we remember that it's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus went to Samaria to find that woman. He left the neighborhood of Israel to find the woman that was on the margins. Did he just do that because it was a cool story? No, he did that because it's, it's the, the deepest picture of what he does. He goes outside the neighborhood to find his family, to find the women and make them daughters and find the men and make them sons. And so when we watch Jesus doing that and we participate in him doing that, we find something amazing. And we find that it's exactly what he did to find us. Because who is the marginalized? Every single person I'm looking at in this room. Jesus left his throne room of heaven to go hang on a cross. He left his throne room in heaven to come to earth. In other words, he moved from the center of the circle out to the margin. That was how he did his work. And he did it to find you and me, to find sons and daughters, to bring us into his family. So as we move toward the margins, as we serve the Napier community and other communities in Nashville, we're reminded of it's exactly what Jesus did for us. 
And we really begin to see that we are united with all people in our family because we have equal brokenness and equal need and we have equal beauty and equal dignity. In all of these ways, we really are one family. So we're going to worship and then we're going to come back up and we're going to share a few things that you can do to participate. But I want you to sit right now in this moment. I want you to, to worship through the songs that we sing and bring the fact that you are marginalized and that your Jesus came to claim you as a son or a daughter. And then be reminded of how that's exactly the work that we're doing here in Napier. So let me pray for us. Jesus, it is so true that we have a kind of unity with our brothers and our sisters within your kingdom. We have a kind of unity that we can't even imagine. That for all the things that are truly different about us, all the things that truly do divide us, we are united in our deep need for you. And we are united in the, the value and the dignity that we have because of you. We're equally broken and equally needy, and yet we're also equally beautiful and equally loved. Lord, I pray that the, the, the truth of that would sink so deeply within the Midtown Fellowship community. All our congregations, and I really want to specifically pray for 12 South this morning, because we're here. Lord, sink so deeply the, the love the precious care that you have for us, that you came to the edge to find us and bring us close. And with that, ignite our hearts to be those who go to seek the men and the women that you want to make sons and daughters. So bless the work in Napier, bless the work here in 12 South. Show us more and more, Lord, how to be ambassadors of this kingdom for you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Could you please stand?